0: It's good to have all you here on this spring break weekend. I think you chose the right place to be. Nobody wants to be at the beach. You want to be with your friends in the house of the Lord. And So I don't feel like I'm looking at those that didn't win the prize this weekend. I'm looking at those that you got the prize. Amen? I feel bad for those that went on a trip because we're all together here in the presence of the Lord. I guess they get the presence of the Lord at Destin too, but... Do I sound bitter? Is that what it is? Do I sound bitter? <laughs> no, I want you to open your Bibles too. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. While you're opening your Bibles, man, this is that time of year as we go into, if you will, Lent. We're in that time of year leading up to Easter, and we're preparing our hearts for just celebrating the resurrection of the Lord. And it's a wonderful time for us to get our minds in that right place. And one of the things that I love to do, we've done this a few times here at the church. We didn't do it last year, but we're going to do it again this year, is to be able to take time and have what's called a Seder meal. How many's ever been a part of a Seder meal before? Yeah, it comes from um, um, Judaism. It's just the idea that you come together and you have a meal. And there's different symbolic parts of the meal that all point to the delivering, redeeming power of the God that we serve. Amen? How many know it's God that brought us out? Amen? And yes, he brought the Jewish people out of bondage to Egypt, but every single one of you here today, he brought you out of your relationship with Jesus. He's brought you out as well. And so on that night, we're gonna be able to have a meal together, a real meal, a nice meal, good meal. And as we have that meal, different points of symbolism that points to God's delivering, redeeming power, we'll be able to honor and celebrate. And, And then we'll be able to see Jesus in the fulfillment of who he is as our redeemer through that whole story of deliverance That took place from the bondage of Egypt to the freedom that came to the Adam like people. Amen? Amen. And I got a special honor this year because our own Adam Stetson is going to lead us in the Seder. Some of you all know Adam and Brittany, they've been with us probably, um, I want to say since August, September, somewhere around there. And an amazing couple. Um, Man, I tell you, he was a a cantor in a messianic Jewish church or a synagogue, a congregation. And, oh, my word, we got to go experience service there one time. um, Last, we were in Rosh Hashanah, and it was just beautiful. I mean, this guy, will you be singing for us at all during the Seder? Can you please? Yes. Come on. Dayana, just a little. You want to sing right now? No. So (laughs) it's going to be incredible. And so our own, you know, we've been so honored to have them as a part of this house. And so um, they'll be leading us in that evening. And, um. Um, both coming from a Jewish background, um, and just their whole lives. It's just amazing, and so cannot wait. Amen? Amen. 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 Yeah, and so the cost of that for the food and for the Haggadah, the little order of service, it's like $15 a person, so it's real reasonable, and so that evening, that takes care of everything, and then if you have children and you need child care, um, fifth grade and down will have child care if they're sixth grade and up, they can be a part of the experience with us, but we will have child care, and we are charging five bucks for child care, okay, for that event. We have so many events where we don't charge, but some events we need to, or we'll burn out all our workers, amen? Yeah, yeah. and so all our workers said, mm, pastor, that's right, you know, you're happy I said that, and so we want you to come and make plans, that's all on Wednesday, April 17th, At 7 p.m., Wednesday, April 17th, right before Easter. Actually, Passover is that Friday evening, but we'll be doing it a few days early because, hey, we're Gentiles. Okay, so (laughs) it'll work. Open up your Bibles and stand to your feet. As we get into our second week in this series called The Call, last week we began to take a moment to honor actual first responders here in our church and in our county. How many here, by just maybe a round of applause, you're excited about the new um, campaign, if you will, initiative, commitment that we're having as an outreach here at this church to first responders. You take your so make some noise, amen? Amen, amen. It's amazing how when you take a step forward like that, how God starts to open doors. And this week, Pastor Stephanie's had calls and connections where even more opportunities for us to pour into that community took place this week. It's not something we can make happen. I've taught you this before, but it's something we can get some vessels, amen? And we're not going to borrow vessels of you. We're going to create capacity. Shout capacity. capacity. We've been hearing this all year. And God's going to pour in, amen? And that's exactly what started happening this week. And we just believe opportunity after opportunity to be Jesus to men and women that so often respond to the needs of our community. We're going to respond to their needs and pour in all that God has to them. And man, it just blesses my heart. This week is the second part of the series called The Call. And we're going to look at the idea that y'all are first responders too, amen? Amen. When it comes to it there's opportunity at times where god's gonna tell you you ever see those little radios i love it you know and you you see the police officer you know he's there at the um, um uh, donut shop i don't know and, and and i keep teasing jeremy about it but you know he's some he, goes, he told me he said ross we do go to donut shops it's not just a stereotype it's real and so but you've been there before and you've seen him at cc's or or stevie b's and they're they're sitting and all of a sudden you hear kh- kh- kh on the radio and you know breaker one nine. they don't say breaker one nine whatever the, what there's a 727 you know i don't even know what that means i may have just said something bad <clears throat> but you hear it they all get up and what do they do they respond they go right because that's what you do when you get a call you respond and i believe i'm looking at a whole full room of people that god has put a call on us as the church to be first responders in our world amen, amen. you may never go and apply a tourniquet I'm trying to think of some stuff you do as a paramedic you <laughs> You may never go and bandage up a head gash. I don't know. You may never do that. But man, there's an opportunity for you as a responder spiritually to make a difference in somebody's life. And that's what Jesus was getting at in this passage of scripture in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to look at it with you and let's read. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. If you missed last week... Where he was, was on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And the man that he's looking at, that he's having compassion for, is a man who has been beaten and left. He's been robbed and he's laying in the gutter, basically, of the road. And with it, this man, this Samaritan, he is the one that is looking and making a difference, choosing to make a difference in this man's life. We, we understand the story of this young lawyer that has come to Jesus and he has said to him, you know, I wanna know what's it look like, you know, to go to heaven, etc. And you gotta love God with all your heart, mind, and body. And you gotta love your neighbor as yourself. But who's my neighbor? But who's the person I'm supposed to watch out for, you know? And Jesus tells him the story of a priest that goes by on the other side and a Levite that goes by on the other side. And now we see this man, this man, the Samaritan who comes and he has compassion on the man. Verse 34, he went to him, and he bound up his wounds. He poured in oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii. That's that's a day's wage, so two days' wages. He took that out, and with that, um, he brought him there to take care of him. He gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And I'm going to say to you, and you're going to say to your neighbor, I'm going to do likewise. Amen? And so as you go to have your seat, say that to a couple of neighbors. I'm going to do likewise. Just say to a few people, I'm going to do likewise. I'm going to do likewise. Go ahead and have your seats. So we see in this story a man who's asking the question, who's my neighbor? And the idea of this neighbor in this kind, this culture, would be very common for a person of of this man's life um, to be able to look and say, well, that's not my neighbor because they're not part of my tribe, they're not part of my community, they're not part of my faith, their skin color might look different. The beliefs, I said, the faith is different. And so that is not a part of my community. So therefore, you are not my neighbor. And Jesus was trying to get him to understand, no, everybody's your neighbor. If if you come up on somebody and they have a need, that is your neighbor in that moment. That's somebody you have proximity to, that you can make a difference in their life. And so that is your neighbor. And we see in this story that a priest, he wasn't going to be about it. No, no, no. He did not want to mess things up. I believe, as I taught last week, it was an agenda issue. He had something in Jericho that he had to get to, and I am not gonna come off my clock to change my schedule for anybody, Uh, you know? And so he passed by on the other side. And then the next fellow comes along, the Levite. And I told you last week, the scripture says, for fear, for fear, he wasn't gonna go in hell. And what kind of fear? I believe the thought that I might go over there, and when I go over, this might be a ruse, and as I reach in to help this fellow, he jumps up, I'm done. You know and it's a ruse and i'm robbed as well and so for fear shout for fear. for fear so that's the thought of risk to bodily harm so that man he doesn't want to risk anything it's a fear of risk it takes risk to help folk amen, amen. it just does it takes risk of time it takes risk of finances it takes risk of pride and esteem well i don't want to be seen with those folks It takes risk to help folk. It just always has and always will. And so that is the Levite. And then it comes down to this Samaritan. And I love that we call him the good Samaritan. Amen. Amen. This man, he responded to the call for help in that moment with compassion. He responded without worry for himself of bodily harm. He responded without worry of his agenda being messed up. He responded without worry of getting something on his garments. He just went to this man. This is a perfect picture of the heart and love of Jesus Christ, amen? This is the picture that we see here as Jesus tells the story. We're literally seeing the heart of Jesus, the original first responder, the OG of that response, Jesus Christ himself, amen? Amen? And so, With that, Jesus, he has such a passion and such a heart to reach people. And I think he's just trying to help this man understand. No, it's not just about you loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's about you doing something in this world to make a difference. I'm not saying that you're not going to go to heaven. We're not Jehovah's Witness. God bless them. I'm just saying. I'm not saying you got to work yourself into heaven. Did, did Did I have anybody? I'm sorry. I'm not saying you have to work yourself into heaven, but no, no. Man, I love God with all my heart, mind, and body. And because of that, what does that do? That means that I'm going to also love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to engage those that might be broke, busted, and disgusted, those that might be beat spiritually and laying in a heap. I can't just walk by anymore because Jesus would never have walked by. Amen. And if, if I'm his body, I can't just walk by. Like that priest that walked by. The thing about that is, guess who in this house are priests? We are. Amen. Father Gary. Father Matthew. Father Holly. That's kind of weird. (laughs) We don't call us fathers, but every single person is a priest. I mean, the Bible tells us you are a royal generation, a chosen priesthood. And I know it's talking about Momentum Church because it says God's peculiar people. Amen. Amen. Listen, there's some people out there that nobody will reach but you because you are peculiar. There's some people out there that need you because you're not threatening. You're not so religious that you'll run them off. You're not so religious that you'll scare them. Amen? You're just a little bit messed up still. Because you're just a little bit messed up, maybe, maybe in that moment they'll listen to you. Oh, man, I love that. I'm sorry. I'm talking to perfect people. I know. Here's the thing about it. Jesus man, he's a preemptive responder. He he's this one. He's not just the first responder. You didn't even know where to go look for salvation. He come looking for you. He loved you. You love him because he first loved you. He's the preemptive responder. He comes after us. And the reason why is because he sees those gaps. We learned last week that those first responders in our community, they bridge the gaps of security. They bridge the gaps of, of, of harm. They bridge the gaps of, of, of health. Those things that are gaps in community and life, they run in to bridge those things. And that's what Jesus does spiritually, and he does it through his church. And there are huge gaps that are open in the hearts and lives of people that you come in contact with every single day, just huge gaps. Pastor, what do you mean by gaps? Gaps represent a place of weakness and vulnerability, a place of danger. And my question to you as a church: who will run into those spiritual gaps? <laughs> who only has one body and it's you, and it's who? Man, he only has one body. Jesus only has one body and it's you, and it's me. I want that body to be vibrant and alive. Amen. Amen. But we see in this story a priest. Who passed by? We see in this story a Levite who passed by. I want to know who won't pass by. Who will run into that spiritual into that spiritual gap? Look there in Luke chapter ten. Go down to verse thirty-three. It just tells the story of the priest passing. It tells the story of the Levite passing by, and then in verse thirty-three it comes down and it says, "But a Samaritan, as he journeyed." Everybody shout, "But a Samaritan!" Say it one more time. But it's Ooh, I love that. Priest passed by. Levite passed by. But. You, you know what but is? It's a conjunction, right? How many like grammar? I don't like it. And I know y'all can tell that. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't say a lot of stuff right. Correct. I don't say a lot of stuff correct. That's really. That's really good of me. No, it's not. This is not a moral thought. This is, it's very well of me. It's fun, Right? We're having fun, aren't we? This is the funnest I've had in a long time. No, no, I'm teasing. But listen, what a conjunction is, it's a word used to connect clauses or sentences or to coordinate words in the same clause. You like how I read that, right? Because I wouldn't remember that. I so failed when it came to grammar. But number two, check this out, about a conjunction, this but, listen, I love this. The action or an instance of two or more events or things occurring at the same point in time or space. Everywhere you go, you have an opportunity to be a conjunction in the midst of a situation. Amen? Amen. Everywhere you go, there's something going on. And you have an invite to be someone that speaks life into the midst of death. Hope into the midst of discouragement. Joy into the midst of sorrow. Amen? Amen? Yeah. you you like the you like a bunch of big butts walking around. That's what you are. I'm telling you right now, I like big butts and I can not, no, no, Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. That was funny. I didn't say that in the first service. You guys got extra blessing in this service. I like... Oh, you don't think I can. You don't think I can. No, but, but when it comes down to it, we have an opportunity to be a conjunction in the midst of every situation. You have an opportunity to be a button in people's lives. Let me say it this way. This person that you know may be going down a path, but you had a word for them that brought them hope in the midst of their dark, discouraging hour, and they didn't go down that path to destruction. Amen. You were that button by, that that conjunction. Those two different things happening at the same time. But you didn't just pass by, you chose to get involved. You didn't pass by, you pressed in. Oh man, can you say that? I won't pass by. I won't pass by. I'll press in. I'll press in. Amen, amen. I, I don't know, maybe another person that you come in contact with, they were about to make a bad decision, but you spoke wisdom that wasn't your own. It came from the Holy Spirit but you weren't too afraid. I'm afraid. When I have to speak life to somebody or wisdom to somebody, it makes me nervous. I don't trust myself, but I've learned since I was 19 years old that he is greater in me that's in this world. And when a word needs to come forth, if I'll just open my lips, if I'll just go, but he went and showed compassion, if I'll just get myself in that space, God will pour out, amen? Do you know why? Because the body of the Holy Spirit has a spirit. I'm sorry, the body of Jesus has a spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. And he lives on the inside of you. And you don't have to trust yourself. You don't have to trust your wisdom. You don't have to trust your understanding. You just got to go. And somewhere between you going and you getting there, God will supply you with everything you need to pour life into that person. You believe that? That's what makes Christianity fun. I've never met a Christian that lives their life According to what I'm about to say over the next few minutes, living your life looking to pour in, living your life living in such a way that you're trying to touch other lives that was bored. Never met it. You'll have story after story of life change. You'll have story after story. You'll have what's called a heritage of people who have been changed by the power of Jesus because you did something in their life. Amen? Well, that's easy to say, Pastor, because you're a preacher. No, no, no. I was having stories like that when I was a plumber. And so would you, and so do you. I'm, I'm going to brag on Gary. Gary is a contractor. Gary don't build houses. Gary builds people. Whew. How many has been built because of Gary in this house? Raise your hand. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gary builds people. Renee as well. These are people builders. These are mentors. These are disciples. These are people that sow in, that pour in. Amen? Amen. But his job is building the house. But his calling is being a priest. A priest that doesn't pass by, but a priest that presses in. Amen? Amen. Man, I love this. I, I, I'm sorry. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. Because I just, to me, this is what made, for me, the last, since I was 19, Christianity just exploded in my heart. That it's not about living it just for me. It's about, God, what are you going to do in other people's lives? Man, it's just a thrill to see him do things in people's lives. People that are beaten and, and put world to them. Maybe someone showed just the littlest bit of love. And it makes such a difference in the world to them. Maybe somebody was choosing the way they were going to miss out on God's best for their life, but you chose to say, honey, no, we're gonna do this right. You know what? I know both of us, I'm just gonna throw this out. I know both of us have sexually failed in the past, but it's a new day, baby. And you and I, we're gonna do this right. We have been hurt. We felt to be ashamed. We've been broken, but that's not who we are in Jesus. And he has saved us and he has forgiven us from all the stuff in our lives. And guess what? We're going to help each other have this button in our lives, this conjunction. Yeah, that's the way we thought we were gonna go, but man, I'm making a new decision, and I'm gonna help you make that decision too. But I don't know if I'll be strong enough. That's okay, baby. We'll be strong together. We're gonna figure this out. Amen. Amen. That bleeding is gonna stop, that death's gonna stop, that destruction is gonna stop. When you make that choice. Not to pass by, but to press in and to stand in the gap. I told you last week, that person who stands in the gap, it's an ish ha-benayim. And that ish ha-benayim, that man who basically stands in the hedge or stands in the gap, that man. Man, God is calling us to be those that will stand in the gap. That place of vulnerability, that place of weakness, that place of harm, that place of, of lack of truth. That place maybe of lack of love. Man, God just keeps bringing foster parents in this house. Can I just give some praise to some foster parents up in here? Amen. Woo-hoo! Scott and Sandy, honey, you guys are bin Ayems. You stand in the gap for so many. I'm so stinking proud of you two. And you've been doing it for years. Man, thankless at times. But, man, we honor you today as you stand in the gap. And then this morning, there was another foster parent, brand new to the church. And, and just I love that people that say, I'm going to stand in the gap. An Isha Ayim is a champion for a cause. It's a person who protects or supports someone in need. It's a man or a woman who finds the courage to lay everything on the line for the benefit of others. And that's who I want to be as a church. I want to be those that enter into the mission, that enter into making a difference, that stand in the gap. Often, we say when it comes to our mission emphasis here at the church, we say that we don't want to be a church stock. We want to be a church to Woodstock. Amen? Amen? And as I say that, you may say, but pastor, that seems to me like you're, you're speaking counter, you know, what you normally say. I mean, like, we're not going to do the Easter event out there at the park. I don't get that. I don't, under- I mean, isn't that doing church to Woodstock? Kind of. But being a disciple in this house is taking care of those that God's drawing and, and reaching them and discipling them and helping them grow. And, and that's part of our mission as well, amen? We need to be focused in and out, both, amen? I'll get to that here in a second. But this idea of loving a community, it comes out of the heart of Jesus. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for a friend. And it's easy to lay your life down for, for a friend, you know, but what about a neighbor? What about someone you don't know? So it would take even greater love, wouldn't it, to do that? That's what Jesus did. He laid his life down for us that rejected him, but he still laid his life down. And I want you to catch something here. This is so beautiful to me. Greater love. Say greater love. Greater love. Greater love, not just love. It's easy to love. What about greater love, you know? Not loving the ones that look like you, talk like you, act like you. Not loving the ones that aren't bleeding because I might get messy. You know, no, greater love, greater. Everybody say greater love. greater love. Yeah, I don't want to be a people who move passively in response to need. Listen, I want to be a people that press in and move in greater love. That's what Jesus did. And greater love demands action. It just does. And I'm going to be honest with this, everyone, myself included, sometimes we just don't love enough. We don't. We don't have that greater love of Jesus. Man, Jesus is amazing. Actually, this story, I don't know if you realize this. There's a prophetic foreshadowing in the scripture that points to Jesus. I told you that last week. Is it okay if I break that down for us today? I love this. This is neat. So think about it this way, all right? This good Samaritan, to me, is a picture and a shadowing of Jesus, who Jesus is. And, and let me walk it out. The first thing, Jesus was rejected and called a heretic by his people. I told you last week, the Samaritans, they were heretics. And they were rejected. And, and, and rightfully so. I get that. But Jesus, still, in response to that rejection, he could have said, I'm taking my goods and going to Jericho. I'm not, I'm not dealing. No, no, no. He still, man, he came, and in while you were still a sinner, he died for you. He came. That's the kind of first responder, that preemptive response that Jesus has to need. He came first. Amen? So it's a picture of Jesus who's rejected and called a heretic. But he still goes and ministers. Check this out. Jesus still went to the sick. Why? Because they needed help. They needed a physician. He didn't run from the sick. He ran to the one that was hurting. Number three, when he ran to them, he began to pour in oil and wine. You here in this room today, Jesus has poured in oil and wine in your life. Amen? Yeah, he has. Wine. What do you mean? Wine. Wine, the blood of Jesus. That's what the symbol of wine is. Salvation, grace, redemption, All that you walk in as a believer, Jesus has poured that into your broken self, helped you up off of that floor, that ground, put you on him, his burden. He carries our burden, amen? Just like that donkey carries you. He carries our burden, and he takes you to a place where you can heal up. Guess what the inn is? You're sitting in the inn. You are the inn. You're the innkeeper. I'm looking at a whole bunch of innkeepers in the house. You are the church Amen? And we saw in that scripture that the good Samaritan brings that broken person to the house. He, at a sacrifice of his own, takes finances and sows in to that broken person. And that innkeeper, you take care of him. Here's the money. You, you. I look at all 'all. y'all. Y'all take care of him. We're innkeepers. That we are here to take care of those travelers that are traveling throughout eternity, either traveling to hell or traveling to heaven, but you're an innkeeper. Don't you ever forget it. As the church of Jesus Christ, everyone you encounter is either traveling to hell or traveling to heaven, but we are innkeepers. Amen? And here's what Jesus says I love. Jesus says, here, here's this, these two denarii, take care of him, and when I come back, can I just declare real loud up in here this morning? (laughs) Jesus is coming back. Amen? Yeah, Yeah, he is. He's going to return. And he says, when I come back, I will repay you. Oh, really? Yeah, you're going to get raptured. There's going to be reward. You're going to walk into the eternal reward that God has for you. Jesus is going to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. He's going to repay his church. Amen? Well, pastor, I mean, does that mean I don't get saved if I don't serve? Yes. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. That's just my opinion. No, no, it's not even my opinion. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that those who own the mantle of being a priest, those who own the mantle, I'm going to call it innkeeper, being an innkeeper, taking care of folks that come through your your life, God's going to repay you. That blessing is going to come. Man, do you realize there is a blessing of of, of righteousness, a judgment of righteousness that will come, amen? That's good stuff. We'll teach on some of that stuff later. So all I'm getting at is this is a picture of Jesus this greater love that Jesus is trying to model to us that's what this is a picture of and we can see Jesus in this picture of the Samaritan then if we can see Jesus we need to be able to see ourselves amen he's the picture that we try to live up to he's the image we try to live up to and so if we can see him in this God I want I want I want people to see me in this as well not for my benefit but for the benefit of others and the glory of God I like to say the good of others and the glory of God and so Let's look back at this greater love, just for one more moment. When we get Jesus' love for people, we will express the qualities of a first responder. It's just a byproduct of walking in his love. And so with that, there's a selflessness that we see with first responders. And there ought to be a selflessness that we have in our own lives when it comes to those in need. And when I say those in need, I'm not talking about just the impoverished. I'm not just talking about missions. I'm saying that person on your street that man, you've seen them make bad decision after bad decision because they're making carnal decisions, and you're their friend. And I'm not telling you to tell them, hey, you're thinking wrong, what's wrong with you? You know, But to have such a connection with them that you can start to pour life in. God will give you the opportunity to pour, amen? I love what Andy Stanley says. You're not responsible for how full a cup is, but you are responsible for how much you empty the cup. You're responsible to keep pouring. Most of us don't pour because we don't think we have enough. Can I, look at me, everybody, eyeballs right here. Eyeballs, eyeballs, eyeballs. We don't pour because we don't think we have enough. You have the Holy Spirit. He's more than enough, amen? amen? You're right, and that would be awesome. I think the reason why when I was 19, 20, 21 years old, starting to minister, and it actually went halfway decent, it wasn't because I had enough. I was messed up, but it was because I knew if I just shut up and let the Holy Spirit do what He's gonna do, He would do it, and He would get the glory, and people would be touched. Amen. amen. Was it because I was anything special? Because I wasn't. My first few years of preaching, ooh, I struggled. I still struggle. I do. My first, I would, I would get done preaching almost every sermon. And it would be a Forrest gumped ending. I would get done about 15 minutes in. You wish those days were still here. <laughs> and I would say an ending kind of like this. Well, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> and I'd walk off, go to my office, and cry. <laughs> Seriously. For like a year and a half, I'd just like, <sighs> able to preach. My ADD sucks. <laughs> and it did. My brain would be everywhere. Kind of like right now. It would be everywhere, you know. I didn't know how to take notes to get myself back on track. Am I back on track? No, I'm way off. Um, That kind of stuff. And uh, But man, I just I had such a hunger. I wanted to see lives touched, you know. And if I would just get myself engaged, guess what he would do? He'd show up. He'd pour out his spirit. And I'll, I'm going to say something that might freak you out a little bit. There was times where I would be going to a ministry opportunity. A young woman in our church she found her mama, she shot herself to death. I'm 24, 25 years old. What does a 24, 25 year old kid preacher have to say to a family that just found this woman dead in her bed after three days laying there in her own blood? My whole way there, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying in tongues the whole way there because I just didn't know what I was gonna say when I got there and I'm just praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. Bible says to pray in the spirit and to pray with understanding. And so I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm praying. I'm going, God, please, when I show up, give me some understanding. <laughs> and guess what? When I showed up, I, in that moment, it was the first time this had happened to me as a young minister. It felt like Jesus was superimposed on me. It was like when my hand reached out to theirs, I felt like Jesus' hand reached out. When the words, when I opened my mouth, I felt like Jesus talked. When I knelt down and held that young girl, she's 25 years old, and held her. Man, I just felt like Jesus was whole. It was just the most amazing, surreal And I didn't go there speaking in tongues because that's weird. Amen? (laughs) Do that in your prayer closet. Get ready in private. But, man, in public there, I began to move with unction. I began to move with understanding. I was able to say words that was not a 24-year-old minister's words to say. Nobody taught me that stuff. It was just Jesus, the Holy Spirit, pouring that out. Amen? And that's not because I'm special. Man, ask Amy, you know? But, man, I just know if I run toward the mess, he'll provide the ministry every time. Amen? Amen? Amen. Every time. That's all I want as a church is for us to run toward the mess and let him provide provide the ministry. I'll cut cut through these quick. Compassion, you know, that sense of, of just a need to make a difference. It's not just empathy. It's not I hurt for you. I'm sorry. No, it's compassion is, I hurt for you, and I want to help do something about it. Deep, even the Greek word for compassion, to move with compassion, it means like your stomach is just like, ugh, you're just in your gut. You're just feeling it so much, you got to do something about it. Decisiveness. Man, every first responder, they run on the scene without hesitation. They're decisive. When God shows you an opportunity, just think of it this way. There's an opportunity to do something good to help somebody. Who's going to want you to do that? The devil? Oh, So that's a pretty easy one. Hmm, would Jesus want me to help this person? I mean, or would, would the devil want me to help this person? Nah. Okay, I won't help him. No. Jesus is saying pour in oil, pour in wine. Amen? Trust, trust Jesus with the oil. Trust Jesus with the Holy Spirit, the pouring in of the wine. Trust him with that. Trust him with the moving of the Holy Spirit, that salve that comes from heaven. Trust him with that bravery, dedication. We see all these things, but I'm afraid. I get it there's an opportunity that you'll miss if you just don't step out to serve people, amen? And so God is looking for a people quick to respond to the call to run into the gap for the benefit of others. A friend of mine right now is in South Carolina or North Carolina, I can't remember which, which one of those states. And um, he had met someone when he was on vacation last year, and that person worked at a coffee shop. And that coffee shop is owned, uh, ran by people, as he says, with intellectual disabilities, okay? And just a beautiful story, beautiful story, you know? And so with that, he met a young man, and that young man is somebody that he just kind of befriended and just started sewing into and found out that that young man, when I say young man, in his 20s, and when he found out that young man loves the Braves, he reaches out to a guy he knows on the team, gets a whole bunch of swag delivered to him, pretty cool stuff. And today, he's running up there to celebrate. The guy's about ready to have his birthday here pretty soon, he's going up to do a big surprise for him. The kid doesn't know it. All the people from the coffee shop, you know, different people with, you know, autism and Down syndrome and all sorts of things, they're all showing up at this event, um, a jumpy place, you know, Sky Place, Sky, whatever. I can't remember what it's called. And, and, and he's just going to go there to bless the guy, you know? Does that sound spiritual? Maybe not. But it can become spiritual. Amen. That's, that's, that's an opening to start to pour in some, some oil, to start to yep. pour in some wine. Amen? Yep. I just love that. This morning, we had a woman come to the altar during worship, and she's seeking God here. And another woman who's going through deep, deep pain right now of her own. I was so proud of her. And she's kind of a shy person. And she got up and walked all the way over and began to minister to that lady. Blessed my socks off, because I know what that person's going through. And in the middle of that, she did not pass by. She pressed in, right. everybody say that. Say, I will not pass by. I will not pass by. I will press in. I will press in. Say it one more time. I will not pass by. I will not pass by. I will press in. I will press in. And so, how will we, as a church, over the next few weeks, months, be able to be a people that answer the spiritual call to run in to help people? How are we going to press in? And number one, I just want you to make your faith and your His presence known to the world around you. Just live out loud, loud. That's it just live your story. Jesus is your friend, right? Amen? And I talk about my friends. I talk about Amy. You know, I talk about my wife. I mean, we just, when I'm with people and man, just, just be open. God's not, man, God's doing something crazy in my life. Just tell your story. Nobody can hold you accountable or, or, or question your story. It's your story. Amen? It's your experience. You know? And so just live your story. Make your faith in his presence known to the world around you. Number two, embrace the call to make disciples. That's why we're having the event here for Easter. We have the money. We have more money as a church now than we've ever had before. Give God some praise. Amen? Amen. <laughs> now, I say that, and Pastor Brantley just goes, oh, why'd you say that, Ross? Every time, I'm just to be honest, every time I ever say and I brag on you about giving, the giving goes down. Prove me wrong this time, amen? Yeah, come on, double down here. <laughs> just just say it. Like let's, let's I want to brag on you about money. I mean, you guys are faithful and you're helping people all around the world. It's a beautiful thing about y'all. You know? And so with that, it's not about a money issue, it's about an ROI issue, though. How many know what rate of investment is, right? Return on investment. Man, I I do things in a way that I want to have the best return on my investment. That's why we reach men in this church. Amen? I love women. We'll always have a great women's ministry, a line women's ministry. Kim, y'all are killing it. Amen? Amen. Amen. But statistically, 80% of our children will stay in church as adults if daddy brings them to church. 80%, 20% will stay in church if just mama brings them to church. Now, I say that, and when I read that statistic a year before I started this church, I determined we're going to reach men. Amen? It's just in my blood. I want a good ROI, amen? And so with that, we've always went after it. We always have. Now, if there are women here that you have children, man, thank God there's men that are stepping up. I'm looking at some single mamas in here, and men have stepped up to try to be in the gap, to be ishah benayim's for your kids, amen? And so help us know that. When you're a single woman here and you have kids, help us know so we can be ishah benayim's in your lives, amen? And so with that, the idea that we're not called to draw a crowd we're called to make disciples and that's what i want us to do and you serving on an easter sunday is part of making disciples you being in a small group do you realize that you being in a small group you're making disciples yep. but pastor i'm not the leader of the small group it doesn't matter yep. the small group i go to those guys disciple the crud out of me i'm like please stop discipling me <laughs> i mean as far as challenge and encouragement both But man, we're real with each other, and in that environment, we're discipling each other. We're called to be disciplers, amen, to help people grow as disciples. I want to challenge you to do that. One of the best ways you can do that is to serve consistently. And so today, I'm serious. I want you to serve for Easter. We're going to have three services. We need a lot of volunteers. Even if you volunteer already, today, go to www.mymomentumchurch.tv and pull up that app or that, that, that website, and right there you'll see, serve on Easter, and what services. Touch the services you want to serve at, hit the button, and help Pastor Stephanie out, amen? She's about to burst a baby in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we want to make her job easy the next few weeks, amen? Yeah, you yeah. two are so stinking adorable today. The twins have baby, can you guys stand up? I should not do this to you. Oh my gosh, this is Stephanie and Stacy. Sisters having babies at the same time—that's so precious. That's so sweet. God doesn't schedule. That's—is that neat? Isn't that cool? And so, so with that, we want we want her to have it easy the next couple weeks while she prepares all our volunteering for Easter. So, if the baby comes early, it's your fault. Okay, don't make her work so hard. Go on that app today and sign up. And so we want you to do serve for Easter, invite for Easter. The next thing, I got two more announcements. The next thing we want you to prepare for is we are looking to disciple people, more people, is to prepare your offering. We've been talking about this since January. A couple times we've hit it, not a lot, but we are getting ready to build a building. Amen? Amen. And so with that, we're not very far away from meeting that $200,000 mark that we need to meet on April, Palm Sunday, April the 19th. I think it is or some someday, Palm Sunday. So when that happens, when we hit that mark of 200,000, we will be able to go ahead and line up our contractor and our architects and all that stuff, get everything ready so that when we hit the next 100,000, by the end of December, um, we'll be able to break ground next spring and occupy August 2020, our new building. Amen? Now, that building's not just for us to have a bigger sanctuary. That building, you all are sitting in the kids' church. This right here from this half, this three-quarters this three of this room is the, the, the future kids' church. Amen? And that's a hallway, and there's a foyer. I can see it all, I just, ooh. And down these halls is all kids' ministry, and we need that space, because we have more children that keep coming, amen? There's 11 pregnant women in this. We have two options, build a building, or y'all stop getting pregnant. (laughs) That's our options, all right? And so, so we're gonna build a building. And if you're a guest with us, you guys don't know this, but our heart's not just to keep building buildings and building buildings, that's not our heart. We have a heart to plant churches. And raise up leaders and send leaders out, amen? And so this building's about a 650-seat six, sanctuary, about double, a little more double than this room, and that's it. We're not going to keep trying to build big, huge buildings. We want to send people out, but that's the next phase before we can start sending people out. Along the lines of being a discipler, along the lines of raising up people, I have a special announcement. I want Pastor Corey to come up here. How many of you saw my video yesterday, that today we're giving you a special announcement about a staff change? I have known Pastor Corey since he was 14 years old. I love you. Oh. Yeah, I was um, interning at the church in Pennsylvania. I came back to see my girl, and, um, and this was the little pastor's son, and um, they had got a new pastor. And so got to meet him. He was about 14. And, um, and then when I was 21, I went to work for his dad. I guess you probably were about 16 at that point, if I remember right. And squirrely as all get out. <laughs> Long story short, got to watch him go into our Bible school in Ohio. Um, After that, he was a youth pastor. And then he was a lead pastor for seven years. Amazing, you know. And then after that, he was a youth pastor and a worship leader again at a large church in in Wisconsin. No, Illinois. Illinois. But every few years, we would talk. Or every few months or whatever, we would talk. And it was like, I want you to come. I want you to come. and I want to come. We don't have a spot. Someday we'll have a spot probably, you know. And, um, And so this September... He would have been with us eight years coming up. This oh, 8 years. That's crazy. So uh, the announcement is, he's not going anywhere. Amen? I know you guys. See what we did? That was fun right there. Y'all like, I love Corey. Check this out. That last song we did in worship today, Pastor Corey wrote that. Amen? Here's the exciting news. In sowing in and making disciples, it is time for us to bring another partner into the staff team. And over the last year and a half, Pastor Corey has been investing in this young man. For the last year, over a year, he's been going to our Bible school down in Macon, or someone's got school working on his credentials. And I want to introduce to you for the first time our new youth pastor, Pastor Tyler Wilkes. And Heather, come on down. Where you at? Where's Heather? Heather, Heather, Heather. Hey, man. Pastor Woo. Heather. Woohoo! And you know how that is. When you have a pastor, you have pastors. You know, just, it's just how it is. And uh, I'm telling you, Heather, the sewing that she does into our, our young junior high ministry right now is just phenomenal. Both of them, you know. So a team here, but um, starting April 1st, that's tomorrow, and we're not going to go, April Fools, we lied. <laughs> You're a janitor. No, no. We need janitors, hey, amen? You would. He, uh, he. I've seen him do something like that before around here. You're going to. Yeah. So, no. But man, we're just so happy and thrilled through they've been here with us for five years in the church. Six five years, five years. Six and over. And, and just to see them grow and develop. And and so that's what ministry is all about, amen? And I'm just literally raising up sons of the house to move and daughters of the house to move off into ministry. And I'm just so sneaking proud of you, Tyler and Heather. And so with that, man, welcome them one more time as our new youth. And I believe there's something powerful that happens to a young man. Hold on, Tyler. I believe there's something powerful that happens to a young man when, when, when you have, it's not a title, it's a mantle, amen? And we never demand you guys to call us pastors. You know that. It was just not our heart. There's just a preciousness to me every time I heard it as a young pastor. Like, I just want to live up to that call, God. And so I want us to say, hey, Pastor Tyler. Hey, Pastor, hey, pastor Tyler. Say it one more time. Pastor hey, Pastor Tyler. Hey, pastor couldn't be more proud of these two. They're going to have a huge impact on this house, on your youth, and on the students of Cherokee County. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we have covered so much ground today, and we just want to be your people. We want to make disciples. We want to pour in the oil, the wine when there's need. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this house. We thank you for the provisions necessary, Lord God, to be able to bring Tyler on, God. Just bless that movement, that ministry that he's going to put his hands to at that next level, I pray. And Father, just prepare our hearts to be first responders for spiritual needs in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.